The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. Now your host, Steve Jahl and the Art of War Coaches. Welcome back, folks. This is The Art of War, part two of an episode where we're discussing Craft World and Dark Elder in a spicy metaball with uh, Brad Chester, old man Brad, uh, and co-host supreme John Lennon. This is a great little chat, like between recording the two different parts of the, the, uh, the episode. I just want folks to know behind the scenes, you two guys, you obviously know each other very well and you've played against each other a bunch of times and you obviously uh, coach and you're both part of the Art of War team. But I love the, uh, what do you call it, trash talk that you've been uh, giving each other? It's, it's, just, it's just other. John being mean to me. He's just picking on an old guy. <laughs> That's what's happening here. He's just treating me bad. Just treat me bad. Nothing but love here. It feels bad <laughs> to pick on the little guy, but, uh, you know. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the old guy. So just hang on a second here, everybody. There's the Brad's not even the oldest person in the podcast. So uh, <laughs> just to bring people up to date, uh, we are talking about a largely craft world list, um, and that's uh, with two custom custom craft world traits. We'll get Brad to go through it all again, just really quickly in a second. So uh, if you haven't heard part one of this episode, please go back and listen to part one. The reasons everything is in Brad's list are all covered, and the different. Uh, traits and the different things that are taken, and particularly the psychic powers and the reason for the, the custom craft world, all of that is covered. The units that could be there maybe in the next iteration of the list and the changes that will be made. So all of that is part one, the list and why it exists and how it exists. Part two, this part of the episode is all about covering off how the list, how the, the army plays into other top armies in the game at the moment. And this is where John Lennon comes in as a man of, well, he's the number one player in the ITC. Finished 2021 as the number one player in the ITC, much to Brad's chagrin. Uh, you were number one for so long, Brad, and then just uh, usurped then, the final moment. Then I wasn't. <laughs> then, <laughs> and then it was slipped out of my grasp. Uh, Usain Bolt just nipped past at the, just at the, <laughs> at the line. So, um, so John is going to, you, you, John, you've got so much experience in so many different armies. Number one, sisters play. You've played Space Marines. You've played, you know, uh, Tyranids. You know GSC. You know all these different lists really, really well. So you're going to uh, talk about those and how Brad would play in different situations against those armies. So I guess the thing for us to do is just uh, maybe, Brad, if you can cover off real quick what's in that list again, and then, John, should we kick off uh, what you've got from? Let's go top to bottom. First off, it's an expert crafters, masterful shots, craft world, farseer skyrunner with doom and guide, warlock skyrunner conclave with quicken, restrain, protect and jinx, two 10 man guardian defender squad squadrons, two single hornets with double bright lance, two four man dark reaper squads with tempest launcher on the Exarch, two night spinners, two support batteries, a unit of two Warwalkers with double Brightlands. And then we go into the Dark Eldar contingent, which is the Archon with all of the rerolls with the Gin Blade, with his four man Court of the Archon, Slith, and three Urgles, a Succubus with competitive edge on the Trip Tech Whip, three units of five Racks, two units of five Hellions, and a Scourge Squad. Now, for the purposes of part two, are we going to assume that the Hornets are still there? We did talk about switching them out for Swooping Hawks. 
Brad, are you going to play this list as we've got it now in a tournament that's coming up? Do we want Correct. to just keep it as it is with the Hornets? We can keep it, we can keep it as it is, and then we'll talk okay. about things that I need to change per the matchup, which I do think. It, every list is a little bit uh, always in flux, and the whole point is testing. Yeah, I love, I love that about 40K is just learning, learning as you go. Well, inevitably, when we hit those matchups where uh, Brad is going to wish that he had something instead of the Hornets, you know, let us know. Let us know how it'll help, uh, how you think it would change things, and uh, why you're considering that. But I'm ready for this. Uh, you know, Steve has mentioned that I've been playing competitive 40K for a while. A staple of competitive 40K over the last uh, five or six editions that I've been playing is knowing how to kill elves. Because trust me, if you make top tables, it's going to come up a lot. So I've been playing elves since John was four. So I got the advantage here. <laughs> That's probably what true. What are we going to start with, uh, John? Uh, you know what? Anytime we're talking about killing Xenos, I like to start off in the Imperial. Uh, I'm going to zip us through uh, some of the more some of the more competitive-minded ones. And, you know, let's preface this here. We're looking at LVO, right? You know, Brad is looking yep. at uh, trying to win LVO. I'm looking at keeping Brad to a healthy second place. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> Which, second place doesn't feel that bad unless it's versus John. <laughs> it feels oh, there terrible. we go. Um, <laughs> But we're looking at, you know, armies going into it, things that are popular right now. So uh, kind of like meta builds is, you know, something we're all keeping in mind here. Uh, I want to actually start us off with Black Templars. Um, Black Templars, I think, present an interesting challenge. They have not been very widespread, but we've seen them pop up a few different times very successfully. I think, you know, both Ben Sherwin and um, uh, Tom Ogden have won uh, GTs and majors in the last month or two with Black Templars after their supplement. Uh, we've put a few games uh, with them here on the stream house. And something that we've noticed is that they they play the game very differently than a lot of meta armies. For everyone listening at home, you start taking these big Crusader squads. Something like a 14-man Space Marine squad is 247 points. It's always going to have an invuln, a 5-up invuln, sometimes a 4-up. It's always going to have that little mini transhuman, and you can pop the big transhuman when you need it. It's going to have that 6 of female pain. And this is something that's interesting to me because in Space Marine armies, you're not used to seeing anything other than the minimum size. And you run into this awkward situation where five Hellions can go kill five Intercessors, but there's no one unit in Brad's army that is going to go in there and kill 40 yeah. base Marines at the same time. So I kind of want to talk to you about this board control Black Templar list and what your game plan is. You know, we already talked about how you address primary. This is where I really I mean, want to see you talk about it. Well, the thing is, is with the Black Templars, I've played and talked with uh, Tom specifically in this match. So... The thing is with that, you have to start with maximizing, getting those max shots from all my indirect. So the biggest threat when it's, it, it looks like it's going to be things like eradicators and stuff like that. But now the crusader squads have to go. That's the board control. That's the, the actual threat, the scary part of that army. So I have to start off with, and I'll spread the love at the beginning too, because I want those automatic 12 shots, 6 shots, 13 shots into all of those squads to really maximize the damage I can put out, especially after I've backed up, possibly got off a of Doom 50-50 after I cast it if they 4-up it, but then that Jinx is going off, usually, because it's going to be outside of the range. So, I'm going to try to Doom, and I'm going to try to, and I am going to Jinx. Well, knock on everything that I don't fail it twice at plus one. Don't jinx me. John said that too. He's like, you're not going to get it off. You're just going to fail it. I've seen it happen. I'm like, you you get away from me, Ricky Bobby. Don't put that evil on me. But uh, effectively, I I pound. I keep a couple things in reserve. This is where the, the Hawks are a billion times better than, I mean, they're just going to be better than the Hornets in that because 
I want those. I want to be in his backfield and killing things. Not even killing things, just taking my points, harassing, scoring more. But the biggest thing is, is I'm going to drop all of the shots. I'm going to try to weaken a couple units, and then I'm going to send Hellions in. I'm not going to send Hellions in until I've spent some time, uh, probably two turns, shooting into the both all two or three, how many Crusader blocks that they have, and then I'm going to go in. I'm going to deal with the Eradicator shots by trying to use my speed to constantly kind of stay just outside of range of them and go into whatever flank they're not. Now, they are a little bit faster than your normal because they can spend the first turn really pushing up with that big advance, and then they, of course, can devout push to give them a little bit more juice on that. But you can still measure, you're going to pre-measure with that in mind and really try to soften up those squads to do a multi-charge. You know, you're going to probably do multiple charges and send some people in to finish off units, which is really what I'm doing. I'm going to put that Archon up there. I'm going to try to get them into things. I'm going to put the Succubus, I'm going to put the Hellions into the remnants of Crusader squads and try to clear them out. Yeah, um, I, I'm i with you on that. I think that is the right approach and how you have to play it. Um, I'm curious if you've actually put this on the table. Um, Black Templars yeah, are... Yeah, I've, 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 played, I've played against Octon a few times on that. Okay, okay. Has it has it played out as you're envisioning here? Because I'm, I'm admittedly curious on, does yeah. the math get you there in time? The math does get me there. The problem is, is that you can red herring. The first time we, we were playing around it, I it, wasting shots into things like the Eradicators and or Bikes or the, the tough targets, those are things you kind of have to ignore at first. Uh, just because of the fact that they, with their buffs and everything, they can just be hard to take care of. Uh, even spiking, popping that four up invuln, uh, doing things of that nature. You can put a five up female pain on somebody. So you have to watch out for trying to, just like anybody that has one unit that has a lot of buffs or is just difficult and can res people, of course, because he's got that apothecary sitting there. It's you don't want to waste shots when you could have killed, you know, killing three eradicators when one's going to come back. And I could have probably killed six to eight. Uh, of the Crusader squad, uh, that's that's something that you can't get drawn into. That is a real loss potential right there, is wasting shots. Every one of your decisions has to be good in that match because he's going to be there quickly. You have two turns, and then you don't have turns. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so you have to basically, like I was saying with uh, some of those others, you have to hit one side or the other really, really hard, and that's where you kind of pivot over to. Uh, and get the hell out of the way. I'm willing to just completely bail on an objective. Can I ask about move blocking? Is that something you can do there against uh, an army like Black Templars? They, you know, big blocks of Crusader squads aren't flying over the top of you. So do you put cheap units in their way? And then, you know, assuming those cheap units die, you've got uh, all your indirect fire that it, can just dump into them. It's it's yes and no. You can do it in certain times. It depends on what else is on the board and where they are. Because of the fact that you have the chaplain buff with that extra consolidate and pile-in, uh, if, you, if you put yourself in certain positions, you're actually going to be giving them just extra room. Instead of move blocking them, you're actually giving them extra movement uh, on that turn. So it's it's really big to, to figure out when it's going to be a good a good time basically to move lock and when it's just going to be giving them extra movement on that right yeah it is uh i mean it is a tricky one you know i'm not gonna lie um i i am curious as well how much you think the mission uh plays into this one uh because you know something we found with the black templars is they're very board control uh they're not slow you've got devout push but they're not fast you know they're not as fast as white scars um they're a little slower than blood angels as well 
So sometimes they do just kind of take, you know, a turn after turn after turn of getting pounded from out of range. But we found that when that happens, they try to get on the objectives and, you know, limit the opponent's secondary as much as they can, rack their primary, you know, through the roof and call it what it is. Yeah, six six objectives are much, much easier than the five objective games because them moving into the middle means that I'm just going to take my two and depending on what's going on. But also it depends on what they put in their backfield because if they put one of those squads, I'm going to try to kill them two, two objectives. A lot of times I'm not going to be able to kill that middle objective. I'm going to ignore it. I, I just have to. You're going to go for, I'm going to put all of my indirect into if there's only one unit sitting on an objective in the back, everything's going into that one unit. Yeah, you know I mean, so I can try to even that primary up and not be five points behind. Uh, you mentioned five and six objectives. I just have to make a joke about four objective missions. I don't, I don't want to talk about but In my mind, battle lines don't exist. and I, I refuse to acknowledge it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, because in my mind at LVO, I'm going to play a craft world mirror match somehow. <laughs> and that's what we're doing. <laughs> Heck yeah, battle lines. <laughs> And then people are just going to, heads are going to explode when they walk past me and go, what, what are, were we in eighth edition? What's happening here? <laughs> For folks who didn't hear episode, <clears throat> uh, sorry, part one of this episode, Battle Lines is Brad's absolute favorite mission and he just loves oh, it. God, yes. He wants to play the Battle play Lines. Every single tournament, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> he wants to play Battle Lines in the scouring every time. All right. So we've covered off, uh, we've covered off the Black Templar threat. Uh, John, I'm assuming you want to cover the, um, the other type of marines as well while we're here yeah um i actually um uh you know the other marines i kind of want to talk about before we get into gray knights the third marine that totally doesn't count uh i actually want to talk about uh gray knights uh and i want to talk about iron hands so uh it's it's the shooting marines here where uh you know you're fast you can probably play with other fast armies as long as you cannot shoot them fairly well I think if it's like a speed on speed kind of situation where you're both, you know, splitting out of the corners, I think you probably have a shooting edge. Uh, what I'm, and also, I feel like the melee marines have really fallen out of favor in the meta recently. So going into LVO, are you considering melee marines at all when you account for this, or are you mostly looking at shooting marines? And have you looked at Iron Hands? I'm, I'm, I look into the melee marines, and I still feel I have the advantage because most I have counter, fast counter charge still also. So I've got things that pick up marines fairly well. Uh, especially with the fact that I have a decent amount, uh, even though it's not the proper damage into this current meta because of all the minus one damage, I still have a lot of two damage stuff out there. So they they do do really well uh, into the melee marines because you're sending a bunch of two two wound guys that don't have damage reduction at me between hellions, spinners, and things of that nature. Um, I'm going to get to be able to pick up a decent amount of guys. So I'm I'm hoping that especially with all the indirect, you really can't hide from me. So uh, failing a few saves puts those guys in under strength and allows me to then get into them uh, fairly reliably. Uh, never an, an easy game. Any anytime you're bringing the invulns in, you never know. Storm shields uh, occasionally are the best shields in the universe. So sometimes those are invulnerable, but hopefully with jinx on them and some doom, uh, you can do some serious damage to them. So, and I've had a lot of success playing into melee marines, and I played a lot of games into them. They're still very popular for a lot of things. So I've I've got experience playing into. That's never an easy match, but it's a, it's a match I've played a lot. So I'm fairly confident into it, just because of reps more than anything. I played into that match so many times, uh, be it blood angels, white scars, things of that nature, uh, space wolves. I've played that game a lot in testing and in tournaments. Right on. 
Uh, what about shooting Marines, though? You know, I I look at Iron Hands as being like a dark horse because they haven't really been popular in North America at all. I have not seen literally any uh, tournament results. I'm sure I missed one, but I have not seen any They're good tournament really results. They're doing really well in the UK, though. They they've, they've done really well in the UK. And there's a twofold um, thing of we might have UK it, players show up. Yeah, I think that it's a very underrated, strong list. And that's a list that I'm actually not super afraid of, but I don't have... I don't have enough reps into it to to make great calls into it. I know what it does. I've played with Iron Hands, you know what I mean? But I haven't played into it enough where it does make me a little nervous on that. And I think I could dance around them a lot just because of the indirect and the speed. Uh, and I'm definitely not going to bother to try to take on. Uh, they, they just wave the, the stuff in front of you and go, you should shoot this invulnerable target. And I'm not going to bother. <laughs> I'm going to shoot everything else. And I'm going to try to play it kind of like a night steal where, and we'll get into that later, just basically being everywhere and nowhere at the same time and just continually try to take away the people that are standing on their objectives. Yeah. Uh, I mean, trying to take it away is always the move. Um, I worry about that combination of they've got their own counter punch so that if you you know, are running into them to try to contest objectives. They've got plenty of tools to deal with it without having to, to divert their shooting. But then, of course, if your indirect is going into their melee portions, well, you're just getting shot. Um, I also, I feel like your list is all about cutting angles. And I actually think a drop pod would be really challenging for you. Yes, I've, I've thought about that with the Space Wolf match and the fact that I have to put stuff up. I actually think that the final version of this will have a forward playing unit, such as Mandrakes or just more chaff. Because uh, um, if I cut the Hornets and put in the Hawks like we were talking about, that actually frees up more points for more nonsense to just get in front of things like dropouts. For sure. That'll, that'll help a lot because that, again, I'm looking at, you know, what could be the problem here? It's, you know, Brad is relying on a couple of key units to, to do the lifting for several turns in a row while the rest of his army kind of supports. If you lose those early, you're suddenly at a massive disadvantage. Like if, if you somehow lost your night spinners early and I, I get it, Brad. You're going to do everything you can to make sure that doesn't happen. If you lost your night spinners, like turn one, like I would, I would be very sad. Yeah, I'd just that. ask you if you want fries with your burger because you know we're going to go get lunch. <laughs> I want extra mushrooms, baby. How about that? <laughs> Let's at least make it delightful. Right on. Okay. Um, is there a single space marine list that you think uh, you're most concerned about, or do you think you think you got power armor in the bag? I think that I have the advantage on power armor. I never think I have power armor in the bag. Um, if I was playing a pure dark other list, I would say I had power armor in the bag, the old, you know, before nerfs and stuff like that, because you always had so many more units to trade, but I'm trying to shoot you down, which is, uh, a little bit different than that. I can't guarantee it. I do have some combat options, which are just fantastic into the Marines though. The Archon, the, the Hellions and the Succubus are just fantastic into melee Marines. Uh, any one of them at a time can typically pick up a squad. So I feel like I have the advantage on that. Uh, it is definitely not just a walkthrough because of the fact that also when you're when you're playing against those melee marines, I'm actually more nervous against melee marines than I am shooting marines because I think it comes down to an angles game, and I think I can play that. I'm confident in my ability to play that. Uh, sometimes when you're playing melee marines, uh, you can just have a a really spiky turn where they just don't fail saves. You know what I mean? And and they can get right in, and you're going to take some damage, and then you have to mitigate that damage. Sometimes that just happens. You know, you you go, hey, take twenty saves, and they go, okay. <laughs> you're like. No, 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 I meant you should fail some of them. I didn't mean to make all of them. But sometimes that just happens. You have to deal with that. You have to have your backup plan of uh, setting up your spacing in your in your backfield uh, better. You can't just 
assume that those guys are going to die. You have to assume that basically everybody's going to live. And then you have to have a plan for how are my space? Do I still have screens? You should, you know what I mean? I have other units that can take the brunt of that. I don't want them to hit three, four units after a bad shooting phase. So you're going to still have your spacing. You're, you have to watch out for that, especially when you're relying on a lot of shooting. You just can't be multi-assaulted all over the place. You do have to watch out how your spacing is, everything. Uh, just given that uh, you were talking about that counterpunch, a uh, question has just occurred to me that I should have covered in part one, but uh, did Drazar ever come into your thinking instead of maybe one of the other units you've got there with your Dark Elder? Yes, but I'm too cheap. I, I, get, <laughs> I get allergic to things that cost more than 100 points, basically. Uh, the the Archon is basically the discounted Walmart version of Drezar, uh, but he also costs half as much as him, so I can get more stuff in the army. Right. I'll also <laughs> say that you would... I'll put a cheeky mention in here that Drezar costs more than a Night Spinner, and uh, when we were talking about secondaries, yeah. I think yeah. Brad does not want things that cost more than Knights better. Yeah, I do not want that, that that guy running out there because my counter punches are going to die. And I don't want my one of my last to run out there and kill something and go, enjoy your five points on a platter. So yeah, got it. I, don't, I don't really want that going down either. Got it. Okay. All right. All right. Well, uh, moving on, uh, I wanted I wanted to get into the next uh next type of uh, marine here we're going to go into uh, the silver ones the gray knights brad uh from conversation with you you were actually considering gray knights as a faction for yourself up until recently i don't think that they're on your current list but we've seen gray knights pop up a lot they have the second highest win rate uh in the game at the moment for 40k stats uh they've taken down a good number of events they've won a lot of like majors i think the only three-day event i've seen them win was wars in atlanta but they're they're definitely showing up and uh, it also is a very easy army for people to acquire. So I'm not going to be surprised if a bunch of people have finished painting. Yeah, I feel like they're their everyman army because I don't think they have a great match against anybody, but they have a decent match against everyone. So it's a, it is definitely a thing that I've considered for LVO. And I still have them in the, the rear view mirror as possible things that I might want to pull back out. I played them in a couple tournaments. I really enjoyed them. Uh, and the fact that they have the game's easiest secondary also which is always a nice thing uh when you're playing with not having a book secondary and i play test games with gray knights and go oh so i'm gonna get 15 auto points from this one that seems seems good so that's a thing gray knights are uh, one of the armies that i actually have to kill more than i have to a lot of other games because of purifying ritual and stuff like that because they can score uh, just a huge amount of points by doing a whole lot of nothing. So that is a big deal. And because of the fact that I have psychers, I can't take a board of the witch against them like I would against with a lot of other armies that I've played. So um, going into Grey Knights, uh, one of the, the one of the big things is uh, with all the indirect, I, I focus on the guys actually uh, because I think it's a big deal not to start trying to uh, spike up with Dread Knights, but to actually take their ability to score away so and the guys are a million times better because they are just regular dudes in power armor so even though they cost more and they have some psychics and whatnot they are still three armor three guys that aren't going to be getting cover save because i don't give you one so i look to do that and then later in the game uh hopefully i'm picking angles off and i'm putting jinx of course from far away and i'm trying to get angles at dread knights later in the game uh, i want to kill guys first because what I want to do is make it so that you have to take an objective with a Dread Knight. Uh, 
as opposed to just being able to put some guys on there. <clears throat> so just limiting the options. And against Grey Knights and Psychic Armies in general, you have to screen out with units behind cover because they have the ability to just smite you, purifying you uh, off if they can see you, and then they'll gate in that that hole there, which is a big, big deal. So you can't be just standing out and thinking that you're okay with your screen because all of a sudden that Dread Knight could be right there, that squad could be right there um, after a gate. Or a shoot move, and all of a sudden they're on an objective. You want to make sure that you're behind that terrain. That's a huge thing uh, there is to block that out from somewhere they can't see and get me psychic. Uh, I've played this for a couple times. Go ahead. Oh, that was just uh, for... Oh, sorry. Uh, I, I've played this match a decent amount of times. It's a difficult match, but I think it's very doable. But I think in, from the testing, uh, killing the guys first is such a big deal. Uh, the Dread Knights do do a, you know, a lot of damage, but you have to really hide. You hide, you know, Elder Style. You're going to hide. You're going to hide a lot. You're going to hide a lot, kill the other things, pop out and try to get, you know, kill one or two Dread Knights and limit the fire you're going to get back at you. Now, <clears throat> that's a, a game that goes down to attrition in the end and hopefully just running around and you give them too many options uh, being all over the board. Okay. So my my question with Grey Knights actually, and, um, what I kind of thought would be the most difficult aspect of the matchup uh, for you is that I think Grey Knights are probably, I would actually say they're the best army in the game right now at finding shooting angles. Yes. And uh, that feels like the big thing you're trying to avoid. And you've got a decent number of screening units, but I don't think you have unlimited screening. I have two turns of screens, of quality screens, where I can keep you away from what I don't want you to shoot. And then I'm going to have to commit uh, turn three to killing at least one side of your Dread Knights, you know what I mean, wherever you're shooting from. I have to kill something, and it's always a, a sketchy with that because you're looking at, again, four-up invulns occasionally are invulnerable, and sometimes they're pointless, you know what I mean? So uh, I have to kill a Dread Knight or two uh, on that turn that I pop out to to make it so. And the thing is, is that you're going to choose one side or the other where the Dread Knights are, because you're going to try to make it so that they can't get that angle. Whoever basically is going to give them the better angles, that side, that's the side you have to kill and go from it. Not, not an easy match at all. It's not like I'm just saying, you know, you know, you walk through this, but that is the, the key to victory is to, uh, we talk about it all the time, pre-measure where the people can go, kill that side that's going to get to the better angles from you, uh, when you run out of screens at that point in time and make it just more difficult where they have to make better choices. And the thing is, is I'm I'm trying to give the Grey Knight player so many questions that hopefully he answers one or two of them wrong. You know what I mean? So uh, that that's the whole game plan there is just to make it difficult. Just give them lots of decisions to make uh, with me being such an MSU type army that they don't make the right one. And then I make the right one and hopefully get a little bit of luck on that. Because sometimes when you're looking, again, when you're looking at four up invulns, somebody's going to have a little luck and hopefully it's me. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, Brad. I, I want you to take out all the Grey Knight players before I have to play them. So my, um, yeah, no, I, I think I, I think, actually think I like your answer there. Brad, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a thumbs up. You like my answer? I'm so happy that John it. likes it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I think Grey Knights do present you with that ticking clock. Um, it's tricky, but you know the answer to it is to kill the infantry. Grey Knights have all their own tricks, like shooting in the psychic phase and then gating. And so this is better than your usual clinic response to me, which is, this is why you're wrong, and let me tell you about it. Hey, you know what? I, I try to be impartial. It's not my fault that you're usually wrong. Um, 
All right. Well, I'm ready to move on uh, to another faction. Um, uh, as far as Imperium goes, um, I think those are actually the main ones I want to talk about. Uh, that and uh, there's a, there's a couple Xenos armies that I'm going to spend some time on here. But uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, I'm actually curious about Custodes. Unfortunately, we just don't really know what they do. But uh, you know, maybe after after the, we the check, archetype though, the archetype though, I feel strong about because they just have few models. Even if they're unkillable, uh, you're just going to try to spread the board. You're going to get your engages, your rods, and just try to score more points than they they are. And then just pick your one spot that you need to get rid of somebody with and leverage all of your pirate power uh, into that. I mean, Custodes, whatever version of Custodes come out, it's going to be a hero hammer-esque army where you're going to have few models. And any of those armies are going to be very durable, but... They they still have they have very little ability to stop you from coming in on sides and stuff like that because they just don't have very many model count. So not saying that it's an easy game, but it's an easy game plan uh, that you're going to use, especially with my army. It's the only game plan that you have with my army. With that is to play very cagey, play the edges, and be everywhere where they can't because they have limited models. Right on. You know, if I were to ask you about Imperial Knights, is your answer going to look the same? Yes, and the thing is, is the only thing that I, I, I like about playing with the Knights is that I have multiple things that I can shoot at them. I've got a lot of Bright Lances, I've got a lot of solid shots from the Reapers, and I've got Doom, Doom and Jinx. So I can I can actually do either one. I can Doom one Knight and Jinx the other Knight, shoot one shot at each target and go, who's rotating? And then <laughs> they go, just letting you know, whoever didn't rotate is going to take a whole bunch of Lances into the face. So... Uh, you and you can do that behind cover, so you have at least the option of that. Knights are still swinging, and I mean, big giant TA guys are never exactly what you want to play against. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. All right, well, uh, let's um, let's uh, let's move on to another faction here. Um, I think I've asked all of the Imperium based questions that I wanted to. Um, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, do a quick uh, segue through chaos, real quick. Uh, I think right now, uh, Thousand Sons and Death Guard are still the two more interesting uh, armies. Of course, we're talking about the ninth edition books. Uh, Death Guard, I think you already gave me a Custodes answer, and they're the same army as far as I'm concerned. Uh, one has Mortal Wounds, and one of them has a 3 of Envolm. But uh, yeah, I do actually want to spend some time on uh, on Thousand Suns. And again, I'm looking at, this is you know a kind of a different combination of the factors that have made the matchups interesting before, where, first of all, Brad, you got some minus, you've got some one damage in there. I just I just yeah. gotta be real with you. I see a lot of one damage in these these indirect dark reapers and these indirect uh spinner weavers, the the six shot ones. Eldar names hurt me, people. I'm sorry. Um I love Eldar names hurt you. You were doing orc names all right, but Eldar names hurt you. That's, yeah, that's the shadow so the shadow weavers always trip me up. I'm sorry. <laughs> um but I, as I was, um uh they've got that little bit of mobility. They've got units that are just a little bit tougher than average you know like we see something like the liam hackett list with like a 10-man rubrikai squad they've got plenty of denies first of all and i'm like wondering like uh, you know a rubric- i put myself i put myself out of range again with the warlock conclave but the other thing is it unfortunately i'd like to give a, a, a better answer but i'm gonna play this game almost exactly like i'm gonna play gray knights because of the fact they have with duplicity, they have the ability to bounce all around the board. Uh, I'm going to have to spend at least two turns blocking out, hopefully more, because they have a little less damage, uh, total damage of shooting and stuff than the Grey Knights do. So hopefully I can keep my screens 
uh, in better spots and keep them alive for another turn, basically. I'd like to get against Thousand Suns, get three turns of screening before I have to really go all in. But it's it's pretty much the same game. I'm going to try to play the edges, and I'm going to bomb wherever they're weak, and then I'm going to come out very strong on one flank. Uh, it's not a... It's not a, a the uh, super thing. I want to ask about the secondaries against Grey Knights and also against uh, an army like Thousand Sons and against some of the other stuff where you've been talking about um, just being cagey and staying away from where they are. The secondaries we talked about in part one were things like engage and rod and stranglehold. Uh, those those secondaries kind of force you to to get out there and at least send some of the cheap units and the screening units to get out there and pick up. Uh, and, and this counts for primary as well, obviously, to get out and be on objectives or be out in the middle of the board or be in their part of the board even. So, uh, you know, you do at least have to have some units getting they're, out there and doing stuff. They're going to they're gonna do that. They're going to be out there. And those are basically going to be the double screens, though. So they're, they're, the units that are doing the engage that are going to score me the rods and stuff like that are hopefully also units that are uh, getting in the way. They're big doubling down on on screening, screening out and stuff like that. I like, I like to get double duty on that. Uh, for way and most of the time rods wise i'm gonna i'm gonna rods early in my own zones and then i'm gonna try to open up that area that i can get the rods in later on uh because you can only screen for so long if you're taking damage and then you have to either not be on your own objective or screen me out those are your options <laughs> so uh i try to open up holes and you have to have a game plan a lot of times i'm going to use my uh, charges and stuff like that to try to open up holes where I want to deep strike things. And you have to think ahead as far as like what I was talking about when I want to do a shift with my army against any army, really, if you're going a hard flank, you have to actually make, you have to dig that your own spot out. You have to carve your own area that you're going to be. And you got to think about where you're going to go beforehand. You have to start hitting that flank early, whether it's in their deployment zone on something that's taken their objective or just that general side that you're going to try to kind of pivot your army to to move around to get away from the strength on the other flank. So it's it's kind of thinking ahead and seeing how things are going to to make myself have a battle plan. I don't want to try to think about my battle plan uh, in the middle of the game. Uh, I need to be thinking about that turn one. I need to think about where I'm going to be trying to go turn three. So if seeing how my opponent's deployed, I'm going to figure that out and i'm actually going to start shooting whatever side i think i'm going to be going to so that i have less things over there and i have more of a chance for my counter charge and my counter punch to be able to be effective and also just run away from wherever they're going for an instance an army like thousand suns they've got some stuff but as a whole they're very slow you know what i mean it's a slower army on that so if i can just get behind their terrain, my terrain. A lot of times you want to utilize and start thinking about, especially in player place terrain, look where your opponents put his buildings and start doing your game plan. Uh, can I make a charge and then get behind my opponent's ruin? You know, I, I want to use my opponent's terrain when I'm back in their deployment so that I can get in there and start hiding and utilizing to take the least amount of shots possible. But that also means that I'm going to have to think way ahead in my game plan to get there uh, a lot of times if you're if you're if this is if i'm always reacting with this army i'll i'll lose at a huge rate at that point in time you have to be thinking way ahead i have speed and i have shots but i have to think about where i'm gonna go so i need to open up that area where i need to run to got it yeah great all right i like it um all right well uh moving on this is this is the one i've been waiting for the most uh there's there's three Zeno's armies in a row here that I want to talk about. 
Um, I'm going to start off with Drukari. Uh, of course, you know what that looks like. That's Thick City. Uh, you, Brad, you've, you've played quite a bit of Drukari. Uh, if I were to look, I would actually wager that you are the best Drukari player in the ITC at the moment. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so wh- why are you leaving? And more specifically, how do you think you match up a, into a pure version of what you're running now? I actually like this, and this will be controversial. I'll take, I'll dodge the tomatoes that are thrown at me. But with all the indirect, uh, I can take out the racks fairly effectively and fairly quickly. And without psychic denial, I can actually put put away a lot of things. When I was playing the 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 random the goof Craftword army against Manny in the finals in Dallas, even that I was able to pick up so much stuff. You know, what I mean, with that. So I can volume down that army very well, but you have to kill the racks first. You have to you have to take away the racks. The racks are actually the the key to that army. If you leave the racks alone and you spend all your time hitting that tough stuff, you're just going to have a long game where you don't do enough damage. They're going to heal. They're not going to take that many. You need to take away all that stuff that's taking the objectives. And I do that very well in this list. And then that opens up holes to drop in. Hawks, Scourges, whatever, to take Warwalkers into the backfield. And then they have to ask themselves, am I turning around and going back to my backboard edges, you know what I mean, to get my objectives back? Or am I continuing to push forward? Because I am going to pick up some stuff, you know what I mean? I'm going to doom and jinx the unit of Talos, and I'm going to put a thousand shots into it. And they've got, uh, you know, a six-up envelope and a five-up fatal pain at that point in time. So, you know, I, I'll put in a million shots into one unit, and I'm looking to kill... Rex first, then Grads, then Talos. You know what I mean? Because uh, you can only do so much time, and you can only do so much. You can only be so many places. Even though they have fly, they're still monsters, so they're not just going through walls. So I'm gonna, you know, be that one point one away, make them make those long charges, uh, and make them hopefully only be able to kill one unit at a time with spacing on that. You know, I'm not gonna try to get. I'm hopefully not gonna give away multi charges. So you can kill that one unit that I have. When you come around the ruins, I love that I'm making tons of hand motions, by the way, on a podcast that no one can see except for you two guys. And (laughs) I'm explaining exactly how I'm going to do it to everyone with my hands that no one can see. But (laughs) as long as your spacing is good, you're you're hopefully going to be only giving away uh, one charge at a time with those. Uh, Grots are a little bit tougher just because they're infantry. You know what I mean? They can go through things, uh, which is why they're a higher level target for me. So it kind of goes racks, grots. Talos as far as things that I have to kill. So uh, I don't, the matchup, don't get me wrong, it's still probably the best army in the game. Uh, it's just that so many people are targeting it is why I didn't want to just go into it uh, blindly and take that army. Because when you get 1,200 people that are all teching for the same thing, I I think you're going to have a hard road uh, to win the overall event. You're going to do well. It plays well into a lot of things. It's a great army. But with that many people going into it, there's a lot of people uh, uh, the entire crew of us are to Warwise that are teching in it, just figuring out, you know, because you can't go to a big tournament and go, this for sure will be there. If you can't beat it, well, you're going to need to figure out a way to beat it before you go there. You know, you don't want to just YOLO in and hope for the best. You have to have a plan. And in test games, I've seen a lot of armies run over uh, Thick City right now, just basically taking the board from them taking those racks away from them and all of a sudden they're even if they're left with all their tallows alive i mean that's eight or nine models you know what i mean so you can only take so many objectives with your three models a piece you know so it, even if you killed everybody but three you still haven't taken a mo- an objective yet so 
that that's really the the way that I play against that. Don't get me wrong, it's a very tough matchup, but I think it's really doable because I effectively at least get two turns of just bombing indirect into racks, and then I get to react to everything else. So I, I'm with you on that. I mean, you know, we kind of have seen Thick City win a few of the events leading right up into this little holiday break that the current meta is on. And we haven't seen events since. So we all have this like month long memory of Thick City winning everything without Thick City having to back that up right. for the last month. So, you know, is it founded? Probably yes. But, you know, Thick City is very good. I'm not going to try to tell you otherwise. We did a podcast about it, actually. Go check out Anthony Vanilla. Um, but everyone has been thinking about it for a month. Correct. And that's that's where I'm with you. I'm with you on this. Yeah. This is why I'm I'm not planning to play Dark Eldar. Maybe I'll YOLO at last minute with some sneaky revelation, but I'm I'm really not intending to do that. Yeah. I mean if I if if I take Dark Eldar pure into LVO, it will be a very brad rendition of it, which will mean that I'll have a lot more trash than the typical uh fix any list has, because I just think you need more stuff. Because does people this mean we're does this mean we're opening up the chance for people to counter the counter to the counter? Exactly. <laughs> so everybody's going to assume that that everybody yes. else is taking Dark Elder, and then they're not going to take Dark Elder, but they're, they're going to go into Dark Elder, and then they're so they're not going to. Exactly. Oh God, I'm when I lose my mind, and I know that you know that I know that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, and I, you never go with a land do a land war in Asia. That's you're all gonna, I have to say. <laughs> Get to LVO and there won't be any big city list. It's just done. We'll be taking into it. all these weird tech lists that are super yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right. So let's um let let's let's move into the next one here. Uh, I want to talk about Tyranids. I want to talk about I my don't. Tyranids. Uh, there is the Gene Slayer cult question lurking in the shadows, but uh, as of recording this, uh, we have no idea what those rules are. At least I have no idea what those rules are. Brad won't tell me. I keep asking in something, something <laughs> legal document. Um, I never really listen after that. Uh, but we've got the Tyranid list. Uh, you know, I took it to uh, New Orleans. I've done very well with it. I'll, I'll be honest here. It is very much on the table for me to take that or a rendition to Las Vegas because I really like Tyranids. And I think they're really freaking good. I've got indirect, you know, to count to contend with yours. I've got fast stuff. You 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 cannot scream me out. Uh, let me just start by letting you know that that game for me, unfortunately, is one of the games I had to go. This counters decently. If I go first, if I go second, it's a dumpster fire, and that's where I kind of leave it. And I hate to say that, but the Tyranids punch up so well versus anything going first, especially on Dawn of War, that for me to tech a list into Tyranids, it feels like I get so much worse at everything else. And I don't want to be worse into the field for the the fact is it's not a super popular faction at that point in time, even amongst the top players. You know what I mean? So I I don't I'm gonna take my chances. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll my special six sided that uh is uh looks like it rolls a little bit differently. It's magnetized. <laughs> You're like oh cling flips over. I'm going to roll a 20-sided to go first. That's actually a way better option. Um, it's a very swingy matchup. Uh, I don't have the answer right now. It obviously plays a lot better on Hammer and Anvil than it does a Dawn of War. Uh, it's much easier to play against. But I don't have a great answer for it on that, uh, besides go first. so, And I hate to say that, but I have great answers for every other army and my tactics. But uh, 
in in Dawn of War or in a in that tiered matchup, it's very first turn dependent. And in test games, uh, it's felt great if I went first, and it's felt terrible when I went second in all renditions of the army so far. So I, you know, with that in mind, you talk about deployment zones here. Um, you know, long deployment zone is better. Short deployment zone, real bad. Um, do you when you're thinking of these army lists, do you look at the mission pack? You know, I'll say it right oh, yeah. now: we already have the missions in order for Las Vegas. We don't know what the shadow round is, so if if I get Brad on Dawn of War in the shadow round, this is going to be hilarious. But up oh. until that point, I can tell you that all three of the hammer and anvil type missions if we, are going to be play, done. If we Friday play Saturday. Dawn of War in the shadow round, um, you're just going to say, "Did Brad just bite John?" <laughs> <laughs> he's chewing on his arm. I think he's going to have to go to the hospital. <laughs> do, do I win if John leaves? You're like, no, you're going to the the police, man. You got arrested, bro. So, uh, but I don't think you heard me. He's not here. Do I win the round before I get arrested? <laughs> so, but, but really, you know, Brad, like, do you think about that? Because, you know, yes. long deployment is best. All three hammer and anvil missions are done in the, in the open field. None of them are going to be top eight. We don't know what the shadow round mission is. Uh, honestly, I think they're going to be crazy and just tell us to do the scouring again because we clearly didn't do it well enough last time if we're in the shadow round. Um, I, mean, I, I get two hammer and anvil. I mean, obviously scouring is its own hammer and anvil-esque asterisk next to it deployment but i am farther away on both of those and i did like that even though i don't like the mission i like the deployment so i think it's a big thing on that so that is a big deal because i know i'm going to be playing a top player in turns you know rounds five and six so i prefer those those particular deployments into most every army i'd rather play hammer and anvil into pretty much every army with this army I want people the hell away from me. And I also want the long board edges to come in on uh, and have just more options because most people in those missions aren't going to be screening off their back board edges, which gives me easy rod options and other places to get shots at people because you don't want to waste units in your corners when the objectives are all in the middle. Okay, fair, fair. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I look at, I'm looking at the missions as I choose my army. I'm thinking, okay, I need to make sure that my my good mission isn't being played round one because that's probably not going to be the issue here. I need to make sure that my bad mission isn't the one where I'm going to be playing the best person if I'm still playing. Um, it's, it's tricky. So with Tyranids, do you have any way of mitigating or any units you want to include to try to mitigate that go second and things get real bad? Because it, it, it is a weird thing. We both have indirect. We yeah, both have redeploy. We both have because... speed. The, both the, have volume of, the volume of shots that I can put into uh, just Hawks shoot a lot for one. It's nice into that match, uh, especially if I get Doom off. Uh, I can pick up a, a whole heap of Gaunts uh, just with a, a Subigok unit. And also, it just helps a lot, again, as we talked, in scoring. You know what I mean? Because it's something that can go back into reserve if it needs to, can shoot something, not be seen, boom, pop back up, double up on rods if it needs to things of that nature. Uh, the game's playable. Uh, the game's just really hard on Dawn of War. It's it's just so... I, I hate any game that's first turn dependent. I actually prefer to go second in most matches, as long as there's decent terrain, and we have player place terrain on that. So in most matchups besides Tyranids, I prefer to have my opponent also give me the opportunity to try to get that 15 uh, on the primary objective uh, on my turn at the bottom five. Uh, against Tyranids, it's just a very weird, it, they're just a very odd army, to tell you the truth. Because Tyranids also, as well as they punch up, the wheels can just fall off the Tyranid train uh, at any point in time because 
they don't have a lot of things and their defensive profile is poor. So if you get into them with things, all of a sudden, you know, the game can really turn around. Or if you kill a lot of those key components right away, uh, it just becomes harder for them. So if I go first and I kill a decent amount of hive guard and I kill gene stealers turn one, well, that game becomes pretty easy. You put it on autopilot. You're really just trying to not take chances. However, if they go first and they kill a bunch of my stuff and gene stealers are knocking at my door, unfriendly like i just think of the cop knock when you think of that it's it's not a friendly knock <laughs> so but that that becomes just a hugely different game it's it's the swingiest game that i've had in playtesting and i've played a lot of games uh with different versions of this it tyranids are by far the when i each time i walked away with i don't know it's the only one that i didn't just go this is my play this is what i'm going to do tyranids i felt terrible because I don't want to say this because it's because on a die roll and you never want to rely on your dice for your game plan. But it really felt like if I went first, I, I did very well. And if I went second, I, I didn't do very well. No, literally zero other armies feel like that against me except for Tyranids. All right. Um, one, honestly, that makes me happy because I'm considering Tyranids. Uh, let's, let's, let's flip coins, Brad. Uh, <laughs> there, is, there is one more Xenos army I do want to talk to you about, though, before we, uh, before we close out this episode. Uh, I want to talk to you about Orcs. And I'm specifically talking. Uh, there, there's two distinctly different orc archetypes. Say, what what right archetype now. are you taking at me right now? I mean, Speedwog is terrifying. I think, by the way, that you really don't want to play against planes. Is this a guess that I'm, I'm yes. saying correctly? Yeah, planes. I, I feel that everyone knows my feelings about planes. Yeah. In the period. <laughs> Once everyone was told that they couldn't take three planes, a lot of people went from three to zero, and I'm just curious about those brave souls that went from three to two, and I. I just wonder if any of you would like to play Brad before me at LVL. Yeah, uh, I I do not want to play planes. Planes are not my friend, and I don't want anything to do with them. But especially orc planes, because ramshackles irritating, and half my army is less than strength eight. I've got some stuff that's out there. Uh, orcs are actually I I was talking we were talking about that. I, I still think orcs are vastly underrated. I feel that everybody thought you know after the nerfs that this is like a dead faction. I I, I don't think that at all. I think that there there's tons of play in, in orcs right now. I actually think they have three archetypes. But specifically, that archetype is probably the worst for my army. I actually feel the best into the melee version, uh, even though I think it's better into a lot of other things. I think I play very well into that, and I can put some blocks up. The Speed Freak list is super irritating because they have lots of shenanigans uh, between bikes running up and stealing my objectives to planes just killing all my stuff. So <laughs> that's that's never my that's what I really like, and they've got. A lot of speed in that. Weirdly enough, Speed Freaks has a lot of speed. Who knew? But they they can just get to me very, very quickly. And they're actually a faster army than I am, uh, which means that I can't just run around them uh, like I will do with a lot of other armies because they basically are there before I am. Like, we, we Googled it. We, we found out the directions. We were waiting for you to get here. So that's never a good thing for me. Uh, I think that army is actually very, very tough. Uh, I don't know how many orcs I'm going to see that but they are difficult some of the versions are a lot more difficult than the others are for me to play so i don't feel terrible about it i played with orcs a decent amount i played against orcs a decent amount uh i have not tested a ton with this list into them but i've played both of them before so at least i know the workings of them so i won't be surprised about that i'd rather always 
at least know my enemy uh, when I go into that. And I've played with orcs a decent amount that I feel like I at least know what all the pieces do and choose up. All right. So uh, my my counter to this is that I I think orcs, especially the melee orcs, are really good at giving people that that notice of like, hey, you've got one turn before this is a terminal problem. And <laughs> I look at your Eldar, and I think it's very good at trying to turn the game into several turns, not having to do everything at once. But I also wonder, okay, when the chips are down, is it capable of doing it all at once? Where I think you're listening, you know, you've got the indirect, you've got these angles, you've got the screening, the shooting, the, the hiding, everything. That's great for killing someone in three turns. If someone runs up on your doorstep and is like, this is happening next turn, you know, take your shot at the king. Uh, do you think you can answer that? You know, I look at Mark's game into Sean Naden at the New Orleans Open, yeah. where Mark went straight at him with no, not even pretending to screen the backfield. And by the time reserves were coming in, it no longer mattered. Swooping yeah, Hawks would not help. Right. It, it, it's playing for that a little bit, but also, again, just literally going... I don't care what's happening on the left or the right, choosing one side and going, I'm killing this way and trying to give myself one more turn, basically pushing away from the other side just to try to give myself a little bit of space. Uh, you do need it a little dice in that one, but that is pretty much the game plan on that. If somebody comes in that hard, create another one. Uh, just basically get dig yourself one more turn, you know, move to that flank very, very hard kill as much stuff you can on that flank uh, obviously you're gonna have to some again some sacrificial lambs are gonna have to take one for the team uh you put somebody in the way of that other flank and give yourself that one more turn is really what you're looking for all right i i want to see this in practice you know brad brad is uh keeps I, I'm coming to fly you. down and sleep on our couch I, i've got tickets i'm literally coming down next friday i'm hoping someone's picking me up <laughs> uh mark is gonna pick you up and then set you down uh and i'm, I'm looking forward to that I mean, um, he clearly, he can pick me and something else up at the same time. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> no question. Person. <laughs> Listen, right. guys, thank you so much for that. The, 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 I, I certainly hope people have got a lot out of it. John, I'm sorry I, I cut you off. I'm assuming uh, th those are the armies we wanted to cover. Uh, is there anything else? Any more questions? I did have one. I'm sorry. I said it was the last faction, but I had one, one question for Brad. And this one isn't going to involve long analysis, but I do have the question. So you were playing Pure Dark Eldar. You're now playing Pure Dark Eldar plus craft world which matchup if if you were to pick one do you think got better because of that change and yeah i know you haven't locked it into for lvo but we're, we're all play testing here what matchup do you think got better because of this Tricari and a lot of the uh, Tricari and the fact that anybody that's teching black templars is way way better i think black templars for a thick like a thick city type is just bad uh they can put some real damage on it i have like way more play into templars and I have more play into uh, people that are trying to dance. You can't really dance around me as much because I'll just shoot you with indirect. Uh, that is a real problem for Thick City is the fact that you effectively have to go punch everybody you need to kill. So people that are trying to dance around you occasionally can just score a lot of points. All right. Nice. There we go. That's it. That's that's me, Steve. <laughs> I heard a lot of I heard a lot of uh, reasons to put sweeping hawks in, and not very many reasons to keep them out. As we were discussing the different factions, uh, what I also learned is that you can't just YOLO in and hope for the best. So that's what I've been doing wrong in most <laughs> yeah. of my games. Uh, folks, I hope you got a lot out of that, and I, I really appreciate your time, Brad. Thank you. I know it's and John, both of you staying up late into the night to record this. So. 
for folks who are listening, we know you're subscribers. If you've made it this far, you are, are a subscriber already, and we want to say thank you for that. We really appreciate it. For so much more content, go to theartofwar40k.com. Next time on the program, we are going to continue this kind of build-up to the LVO where we talk about uh, armies or factions that are either off meta or have recently been nerfed. We want to cover off things like Admech and, and Orcs and a bunch of the other armies that maybe people are looking to take to the LVO. Uh, in the meantime, get to theartofwar40k.com, subscribe. We'll see you next time on the program. He's Brad Chester. He's John Lennon. I'm Steve Joel. This is The Art of War. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. Theartofwar40k.com